I'm Annie Fox. And I'm Laurel Pinson. And this is Workwives, conversations at your desk with the woman who knows you best. Laurel, so I want to talk a bit today about something that we've referenced, I think, actually on the show before, but what we actually often speak about, and that is the fact that, like, super close, obviously, as people, but obviously spend a lot of time together at work. But one of those hard things about being close people at work and just getting work done in general is that you have a whole universe of other shit that have, like, real life stuff that you have to deal with constantly because you're a person in the world. Oftentimes that stuff collides with the stuff that you're working on, you know, or you have to leave work for a period of time to address a situation, you know, that's either pressing in your life. It could be a personal tragedy. It could be a wedding. It could be anything. And you sort of return to work changed and have to reconcile the person that you were with the person that you are. And actually, probably one, I'm going to say it, but please correct me, one of the biggest things that's happened to you in that regard, I wasn't here for. And that was the birth of your son, Henry. That's true. You weren't here when Henry was born. That happened like the year before you got here. And so I would love us to be able to talk about it today and obviously I, I don't I don't know if actually our workwives listeners know this because we do refer to Nugget a lot but what you might not know is that Nugget was delivered early yeah I was six months pregnant when he was born it was 28 weeks and so workwives Laurel and I are going to have that conversation now on it since we've never had it before no, we have makes sense and I would say that this will likely be you know a more intense episode than usual so if any of you listeners out there have gone through something similar and would prefer not to listen feel free to tune out let's start let's easy like tell me about your pregnancy in general how it started and how you felt as a pregnant person so I I was not a person who knew I was gonna have a kid Mm -hmm. I didn't like you know picture the number of kids you know I thought long and hard about whether I wanted to have a family or just how I wanted to prioritize those things and so once we decided to have a kid I really thought it was just going to happen right away I mean you spend your entire fucking life like planning to not get pregnant and then you go off birth control and you decide that you want to be pregnant and then it doesn't happen right away and that's like a weird That's a weird period Mm -hmm. of time. When I did get pregnant, you know, we were really excited. I was super anxious um, because I had just started a new job. And then I ended up having no morning sick. Like, I feel badly. I had, like, the best pregnancy ever. I mean, until until Henry came super early. One thing I will say is I was over 35 when I got pregnant, which is this sort of arbitrary boundary line for doctors where they sort of say, okay, you're now at a sort of risk pregnancy because you're older than a certain age. But even your doctors tell you that seems kind of arbitrary you know it's just that's what the statistics show us but everybody's different and so nobody was concerned about me like I was the most routine pregnancy ever apart from the fact that I was over 35. So um, okay you're Mm -hmm. having a a relatively straightforward simple not complex pregnancy now you're feeling good yeah you are now approaching six months yep I'm trying to remember what kind of week it was. It was like middle of summer. It was a really hot summer, mm-hmm. I remember, which, you know, is like a pregnant person. Everybody's like, oh, you must be Ms. But I loved it because you could just wear like billowy nothing. Oh, yeah. You know, with maybe a belt. Oh, so You're many. Just like, like this gauzy. Yeah, this gauzy sack that I'm wearing. Great. So all week we'd been prepping for this epic presentation, which I like really wanted to crush. It was my first like big whole glamour team presentation Mm -hmm. and then saturday we were at home watching something stupid and i had when you're pregnant there's a lot of weird 
shit, obviously, that's happening to your body. Mm -hmm. But you start to sort of not trust your own instincts about it. Like, you sort of call your doctor about everything. You're like, I I feel weird in this way. Like, did my jaw swell before like that? Like, now I'm weirdly I have this pain in my something and that seems so reasonable though how do you know what to call yeah. the doctor about and what not to yeah, call the I mean, doctor you've about? Never, you've never been pregnant here's right. this anatomical phenomenon that's happening to you sure um, and so one of the things that is sort of or at least for me was sort of different was just like A you stop getting your period mm-hmm. but like overall like your vagina viscosity mm-hmm. is different okay let's say yep and in this case I over the course of maybe I now think was probably multiple days mm-hmm. was just a little more liquidy than normal. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but you're also like, maybe it's uh, my bladder control is not so great. Who knows? Sure. Who knows? You Who know, knows? like yeah. it's not that much. It's not, it's not like enough that you're kind of like, what's going on here? Right. But it's sort of like, well, that's a little bit different, but you know, there's a lot of shit that's pretty different. Like sure. I had spotting like in the very beginning of my pregnancy, mm-hmm. which is also really freaky. You're like, there's a little bit of blood. And they're like, that's, that's fine. That's normal. Like you're yeah. growing a small human. Like there's going to be weird things. And you're like, well, of course. So I really didn't think a lot of it until this evening and this afternoon where it just felt really like the word that I described. And it was really, I later understand the trigger word. They probably that like lights up ER phones when I then called the ER at like 11 was a sort of whooshing sensation, meaning like it was more than a tiny bit. But it wasn't like a movie. What I now understand it happened was that my water had broken. Okay, which at 26 weeks is not good. Of course. Um, Obviously. But what I didn't appreciate is that your water breaking isn't like in the movies where you're in the back of a taxi cab driving to the hospital and like the whole back of the taxi cab like fills with water and you're like my water just broke out like it's usually not like that like it it happens in sort it's, of drips I mean, and drabs really it really is dependent on the person like sometimes I mean, they it's do like not a represent bit of a trickle well. whatever so in my case as in the case of several other women my water didn't break like in the movies right it starts to sort of trickle out in dribs and drabs but it's definitely a little bit more than what you would sort of expect to be coming out of your vachacha right, at right. any given time of day. Sure. So I say to Joel, I think something is weird, which to Joel is like roughly 17 times a week. I'll be like, I feel a little weird. So, and this is when I was pregnant and before I was pregnant. So right. Joel, bless him, was kind of like, well, what feels weird? You know, I sort of describe. He's like, hmm, that does sound a little funny. Well, why don't you just like hang out for a bit and we'll see how it looks. And I kept like lying down. And then I would get up and I would feel it. Yep. And I was kind of like, no, this is gravitational. Like, this is not, like, something I'm creating. Like, there's something pooling. This is not – something is weird. And I did not want to call the doctor. Like, because it's – in the way that you know something is wrong and you're, like, calling someone and having them make me do a thing is going to make it real. You know, you go on all these, like, WebMD sites and it's like, if this happens, you're fine. You know, take some vitamins, you know, or, like, whatever. And then there's other ones. It's like, if this happens, you should really call your doctor, like, immediately. Right. And that was one of them. And I was like, all right, fuck. So can you just say again how many weeks you were at when your uh, water ruptured and then how many weeks uh, standard pregnancy goes for? Just for context. Um, so when my water broke, I was 26 weeks. Uh-huh. Typical pregnancy is 40 weeks. So we call the hospital – um, and the doctor on call there was, you know, talked to me a little bit and he said, you know, it's, it might not be anything. And he was like, but I think you should come in and get it checked out. And I was like, okay. I go really quiet, you know, which is my way. And Joel's sort of packing some things up. At the time, I think he, I was even like, I can probably just go by myself, you know, and Joel's like, dude, obviously I'm coming with you. And I put on 
like some button up dress and these my like these rag and bone shoes that I had that I that are like these cute like jazz shoe lace ups. And I took like a little bag. I think I had my wallet and some other things. And I left and we went to the hospital. And what I didn't know was I wasn't going to be back for like four weeks. So that that like thinking about that moment now is weird because you a know I would come back to that apartment a totally different person. Um, and I would come out back without those shoes. Yeah. They're still missing. So, yeah, so we went to the hospital and they treat you in the sort of like, you know, you're in basically like a sort of triage center where they're sort of like just evaluating, you know, it's like at this point, Saturday night at like 11, you know, so you can imagine the cast of characters that are around and got in, did the whole song and dance, go into the room, they check it out. You know, he does his hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, that's not good. And finally, he sort of says, you know, it definitely looks ruptured, but I'm going to go. We're going to do some tests on it. You know, I'll be back. Did you feel like when you were being, I don't want to say tested or, or tr- but like, did you feel like you were simultaneously to, to the doctors sort of treating you and also trying to take samples and learn as much as they could? Do you feel like anyone was talking to you like a woman in distress or like going mm. through something scary and needing some support? Going to say no. Okay. Just folks who are on call at these places, like just typically that's not, they want to be, I think, their 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 priority in this, the person who treated me's priority was really to educate me on what was going on. Right. More than to support me yep. in making whatever decision needed to be made. Mm-hmm. So we came back and they, you know, explained to me more precisely what was happening. And he came back with like a partner in crime, which is always where you're like, oh, fuck. But yeah. You, could you know, like you came back with like a couple people <laughs> yep. who are yep. like, here's an interesting specimen. No, I mean, that's not fair, but it also is what basically it feels like. Yeah, of course. Um who were sort of like, all right, here's what's going down with you. You know, you're at 26 weeks. Your water's broken. Here's basically our next steps. Because, of course, you're just sort of like, well, is that weird, normal? I was thinking maybe this is a thing that just happens sometimes and your water, like your shit just stitches itself back up. And they're like, what you really need to do is just be cool. So at this stage, no one had said to you there is a chance that Henry is in danger. No. Okay. I think it was it was definitely implied that this was not a good situation. But their first priority is really me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was nice. You know, they weren't sort of like, I'm going to just talk about the kid and not talk about you. Of course. Um, because it was obviously about you know, our health was in tandem. That's what's interesting about being pregnant, too, is, like, whatever happens to you happens to your kid. You know, they don't want you to get sick because that might put the kid in danger. Like, you're, you're, it's a symbiotic relationship. Well, maybe well, it's a parasitic relationship, is, yeah. but that's fine. So once the guy came back and really explained everything to me, really everything sort of felt like, I mean, A, time really slowed down, but B, everything starts being measured in seconds, time, like, days, weeks the real game which they all explained to me was how long they can keep you from actually delivering because just because your water's broken doesn't mean you're going to go into labor you know sometimes that happens and then it's a while before you go into labor sometimes that happens and it's really just like you're going to go into labor in the next hour the crux of it is the longer that you stay pregnant the better right because statistically the kids chances improve Mm -hmm. um you know the longer they bake so to speak um the more developed they are you know so you risk delivering a kid that can't survive or delivering a kid that then you know has to be taken care of for the rest of his life and you know using various 
the the amount of possibilities are just so vast. You don't know how hard to hope, yep. really. And that is really a conversation that only happens between you and Joel at this point because everything that's coming from the staff, and you're absolutely right, first and foremost concerned with making sure you're healthy and then mm-hmm. that your baby is healthy, but mm-hmm. not necessarily that you have the emotional support or, or that you have someone to talk to about how hard to hope, which right. for me... Like that's it. And that's, you know, because they obviously live in statistics first and foremost. Yeah, and they also are knowledgeable enough not to try to be predictive. Okay. You know, not yeah. to try to say, well, you know, the average person does this. Because as anybody knows who's ever been pregnant or even tried to get pregnant, like literally no two people are the same. Like you can't compare your experiences to anybody else. Like and we sort of kept being like, okay, but really – like how long do you think it was going to be? And the sum total was he just was like, "Look, you're not going home. You're gonna we're gonna admit you to the hospital." So they checked us into this like absurdly tiny hotel, like hospital room because of course, um, and then just got me up hopped up on literally everything. You know, they start putting you on antibiotics because they they put you on anything that has been shown to have some positive effect in keeping women pregnant and or had a positive effect on accelerating fetal development because mm-hmm. that's the other thing. Like right, they're sort right. of simultaneously trying to keep you pregnant and like boost like things of, on my kids' immune system. Right. And the other thing that was really important that they told me is they were like, "Look, if your labor really starts, we're not going to stop it. Like, our mission is not to, like, keep you from going into labor. Our mission is to stall it, you know, for as long as it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this is your body – when your body is ready to, like, move this kid out, it is the appropriate time for this kid to be out. Okay. Were you at this point frightened of going into labor? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean – to be clear, before I got pregnant, I spent years being terrified of labor. Like the thing that I was most afraid of in the world was labor. I was like, I was like, everything will be fine as long as I just don't have to have the baby. Like, I'm fine. Just hand me the baby and that'll be fine. The stork method seems a lot better. Um, and here I was like, A, even more afraid of going into labor because I was like, the second I go into labor, like it's like all bets are off. And then you're sort of bound by whatever week you're at and the fetal development that you have. But also everybody else was now terrified of me going, going into, into labor. labor. So you right. literally have... You know, you start you start wearing this fetal monitor, and like if they notice that you're going into labor, people just like bust into your hotel room, you know, where it's like labor time, fuck, you know. Yeah. So, I, like everybody was so keyed up around me. So, are you now at this point feeling responsible for other people in a way, or like you're having this like performance anxiety because everyone's just like watching you? Oh and yeah. Like, like you know, don't let us down, Laurel. You've got to keep oh, yeah. that baby in there for as long as you can. Yep. Absolutely. The thing that so many women talk about in general is just performance anxiety around being pregnant anyway. Like you want to like have the perfect delivery. Like you want to be like, oh, yeah, it was no big deal. You just came right out. Like whatever it is, you psych yourself up for all of the stuff around being pregnant. Like she looked so glowy. Like she just carried so well. Like she was like, you know, you're just so anxious about all of that stuff and trying to do a good job. And this was already like I was having to grapple with like did not do a good job. Like couldn't even keep, you know, like. Something has gone totally haywire, and now you have not done a good job. And everybody is watching you all the time to see how bad a job, in fact, you're going to do. Which is true or not, but is absolutely what you internalize. So you just, like, are lying in a hospital room for, in my case, about two and a half weeks. Just being like, just be cool, Pinson. Just, like, be cool. You've got this. Like, just stay cool. Was there, like, a tiny little voice somewhere that was sort of countering that and saying 
you really don't control this. You were, like, was there that? I mean, was Joel acting as that? Absurd? I mean, certainly. Like, Joel, yeah. Joel, I have to say, was, like, obviously a hero. And, I mean, if my parents were here to talk about it, they would spend most of their time talking about Joel because he really served as a sort of guardian at the gate for basically everything. Yeah. So at this point, Joel is talking to, um, I assume, someone at Glamour, right? Yes. So, <laughs> as it should now be apparent, I did not, in fact, go to the presentation that I had been prepping for oh, all day course. Friday. Right. Um, didn't do that. Um, and Joel called my boss. And I am sure that I gave him a lot of instruction around it because I just, at the time, again, you're sort of thinking, I could have a baby tomorrow or I could be sitting here in a hospital room for a month and I don't know which way it's going to go. And it could go sideways of you at any possible moment. There's also just the weirdness of being like, do you just take off? Are you like, guess I'll just sick out for like two weeks you know like in yeah but you're in a hospital i know but like yeah no it's totally reasonable you're like well i I just i wouldn't even know how that would work work. yep you know like do you file for disability at that point you're about to go on maternity leave yeah i mean that's true it's just the mechanics of how to make that work were also sort of a mystery to me but beyond that i just was like i'm not i'm not ready to call it like that Mm -hmm. like i'm Mm -hmm. i'm totally fine i'm just sitting in a hospital room with nothing to do fast forward how many days between going in uh, your water rupturing and you going into labor it was about two weeks like two weeks and a little bit of change. So and I ended up delivering hosp- at 28. And weeks. you're in the hospital. In the, the hospital. Okay, so let's go to the 28th week when you are presumably now after 13 days still in the same hospital bed. Get your same checkups What every day. happens? I went into labor like about a week and a half in. The big thing with delivering an extremely premature kid is they really want to do it by C-section. They are not here for a natural delivery. Okay. Um, and by natural, I mean a vaginal delivery. Right. Um, because there's just more, it's harder to control. And at this point, it was like midnight. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm just tired. I'm going to go to sleep. So I went to sleep. You know, it wasn't like, meaning the contractions were that bad. Again, not like in the movies. Contractions not that bad. I took a nap um, and awoke to literally multiple nurses like on top of me you know trying to move me around and going like I don't hear it do you hear it like I don't hear it do you why don't you move over here and trying to be cool like in that way that you start freaking out because you realize everybody around you is trying to talk to you very calmly you know where it's like listen Laurel why don't you try turning on your side for me and you're just like it's not good and they were trying to get me to move around because my nugget's heart had stopped. Like, they couldn't hear it anymore. Um, and then they picked it back up, but it was really, like, slow. You know, like, not normal. And when you are in the hospital with a kid that they're sort of – if you're, like, at high-risk pregnancy or they put you in a hospital, the first thing that they do is put this fetal monitor on you. And it basically is – it's auditory, so it fills the whole room. Like, your whole life for two and a half weeks is this, like, dum 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 Like, you hear – the baby's heartbeat all the time. Like you go to sleep with it, you wake up with it. So you know something is weird because it's like if you've had a white noise machine on and somebody turns it off. That I think was the first moment that it really occurred to me that I could like not go home with a kid. Like before it's sort of like play acting like something terrible Mm -hmm. is happening to you where you're sort of like, I'm going to map it out. Like these are all the horrible things that could go wrong. But it doesn't feel like it's really happening to you. This was the first moment that I was like, fuck like I could this kid could like not make it like I could just fuck have no kid and you know so the heartbeat picked back up and they were like okay but then it was clear everybody was like all right that was not cool and really what I now know the kid was reacting to is um every time I would have a contraction he just didn't what they just basically said was he didn't respond to it well so 
they called the doctor who was on call. The doctor who was on call comes back in, you know, like, not happy to see you. You know, there's lots of, like, trying to like, keep it trying to keep it light, light? you know, yeah. and being like, well, you know, Laurel. But it also feels like you did a bad thing, Fuck you know, where you're like, an, it's it, they don't intend it, no, but I it's know. sort of I, like, I, I didn't mean Laurel, to. why am I here? I thought we agreed. Not going to go into labor. And I was like, sorry. So he, you know, looks at the situation and he sort of says... You know, yeah, this certainly doesn't look good. This is kind of gross, but it's true. So then went into, like, had another contraction, which, again, like, these weren't, like, the kind of contractions that you see on TV. I wasn't like, oh, my God, another contraction. Like, it just felt like cramps where you're kind of like, oh, it aches a little bit. Heartbeat, like, just fell, like, just dropped out of the sky. And the nurse literally just put, like, her whole hand up. Yeah. My vaginas. (laughs) Like, just straight up. Yep. And she said, she was like, I'm so sorry. You know, like, while she was doing it, she just, like, climbed up on top of me and was, like, making sure that he was in the right spot. Like, that he hadn't slipped because that's yeah. the other thing is, like, they're small, you know. Like, a contraction can, like, you can start moving him down the canal, which they did not want to do. Um, you know, and they sort of all held there for, like, you know, like, a period of what felt like a really long time, but just waiting for his heartbeat to come back. Um, and then it came back. You know, and she sort of, like, climbed up, you know, got off me. Everybody was sort of, like, scattered. And the doctor goes, well, that's it. Let's go. I have to say, taking a break, one of the things that was really helpful at NYU was that a woman had thoughtfully given me – I had time to sort of understand what a C-section was going to be like. A lot of women go in thinking they're going to have a vaginal delivery and then end up having a C-section. Um, and that can be really hard for a number of reasons because you sort of set yourself up for one sort of birth narrative and of then course, you have to yeah. sort of grapple with having the other one. It's also a different recovery time. Surgery is very different from, you know, a vaginal. It's just a different can of worms. Um, but for me, I'd had time to prepare for it. Like I knew what I was going to – I knew what was going to happen. And this really wonderful woman came in and talked to me about what it feels like, literally, for it to happen. She said, they're going to wheel you into this room. And everything that she said played out exactly correctly. She said, they're going to wheel you into this room. It's going to be really cold. She was like, that's really weird for people because they keep it very cold, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Um, But just know that it'll be cold. You will put yourself onto the operating table. So when I got into the operating theater and sort of like got – like got on the little slab um in your little like psh, you know shitty backed mm-hmm. hospital gown they they started to get me ready and you know henry's heart rate dropped again and so everybody kind of like stopped and they were like watching it and the doctor you could tell everybody was sort of ready the woman who educated me on the c-section thing was she was basically like if it's a true emergency c-section you won't even know because she was like you'll be asleep by the time you even realize something's gone wrong. She was yeah. like, it's just going to be that fast. So I knew I was sort of like watching them all watching the monitor. And I thought I could be blacked out in like two seconds. Like, you know, I won't know if things really, really wrong. And then I'll just wake up and hopefully it will be OK. Um, but fortunately, his heart rate sort of came slowly back up. And they were like, OK, we've got time to do the epidural. Let's do that. You get this epidural, which is like this bizarre shot, like in your spine, which is strange. Um, but everybody's super great about it. At this point, the well... One key thing, they don't let a partner or a spouse or anybody into the room until you're all ready. So at this stage, you're doing all of this alone at alone. this stage. I, alone. doctors and nurses, but you're doing this part alone. Okay, that's... Yeah. Which is scary because yeah. you also sort of realize, to be honest, so much of this is you realize how alone you really are, like mm-hmm. in life, you know? 
like you may have a big family, you may have a husband, you may have a lot going on. Like you face some shit by yourself. Um, and in this one, you just you're there on your own. Yeah. Um, you know, so you get on the hospital slab, you do the whole epidural, you do it all by yourself. Um, and then once you are, I don't know if the term is sedated, once you're epidured. Yeah, yeah. Once you're epidured, all trussed up, basically. Then they let the husband in. I have to say then once Joel come in, I remember sort of looking over and they they erect this like big screen sort of right in front of you. So I feel like I see the screen on TV a lot. Yeah, yeah. I remember Joel came in and the first thing he said, he came in and it was so clear. He was like a guy on a mission where he just like came in and he sat down and he was like, remember that beach we went to on our honeymoon in that one place? And I had that last bottle of champagne. He had picked this incredibly specific memory because he knew I was like freaking out, which was absolutely true. And he picked something just so specific to be like, here is a thing that you're really going to have to think about as opposed to like, you know how you love chocolate cake? Like it was so specific. Like he went so far back. Did you guys talk thing. about doing that? Or no, was that was just he just intuited that you needed that. Yeah. And I he we talked about it afterwards. And he just was like, I remember opening the door and just being like, there's a person that needs me Ugh. like right now. And how satisfying it was even for him to sort of like, know, like, I know I'm needed and I know what to do. Um, which I just think is something that everybody wants, you know, yeah. like, and it was exactly the right thing. <laughs> it was funny only because I saw through it a little bit, you know, yeah, I was yeah. like, I see you, babe. Like, I see you like reaching for this I mean, like little sentimental moment, counts. but still counts and appreciate it. Yeah. And then the, <laughs> I started to feel really like nauseous from the medicine. I was like, I think I'm going to barf. And he was like, that's okay. <laughs> um, but he, of course, like leaned to the like the anesthesiologist and he was like, I think she's going to barf. And the anesthesiologist was like, I got this. And then they like dialed up something else and then I didn't feel like I needed a barb anymore. But that was weird. But then getting a C-section is just bizarre because you're awake for a long time. And then they like do the actual surgery portion, which is pretty fast, you know, because once they had sort of decided to do it, you know, and then they get the kid out. And Joel's sort of watching that part. I mean, he didn't watch like the actual surgery. But I really don't remember seeing Henry in the operating room. Like... Joel has a very vivid memory of them bringing him over so that we could look at him. Yeah. And I don't remember it. I mean, I was like looped. Do you remember hearing him? Not really. I mean, I remember listening for him. I remember I could hear a little bit, but it wasn't like a normal baby cry anyway. You know, you don't know what status he's going to be at. Do they tell you as, do they tell you, how did they explain his, like his status to you as they pull him out? Do they say... You've got a healthy boy. You've I wish got, Joel was here because he could like tell. Like, yeah, seriously, yeah. I'm so. I was so like. I don't That's okay. At this so point, you details were... of it. But I, like, what I remember is they didn't sort of flag anything to okay. us. You know, okay. They weren't okay. sort of like, oh, he's not breathing. You know, you're listening for all those things that mm-hmm. you think they're gonna say. And the fact that they sort of brought him over to us, you know, and Joel was like, look at it. Like, I remember that they showed him to us, but I don't remember him at all. Okay, like, yeah. I just. It's like blank, you know, and Joel's like, he had the cutest eyes. And I was like, I'm like, not a, but I remember them sort of saying that he was, he seemed okay, you know, which was good. And then they took him off. I mean, he was in the operating room for maybe a period of seconds, less than 10, you know, it was like, and incubator. Then was just the sort of long period of getting sewn up, which is also bizarre because then you're Mm. like sitting there. You know, and Joel obviously stayed with me, but 
you know, it's a lot like getting sewn up takes a long time. You know, the, the sort of cutting through and the removal is very fast. Um, and then you're just sort of sitting there, but you're not pregnant anymore. What, what was that feeling like from being, I mean, obviously you're super high, but are you physically feeling something that you're not matching emotionally? To me, right? it didn't have the satisfaction that I was hoping for of, you know, feeling like you'd completed a thing. You know, like you had been pregnant, you had delivered a healthy kid, and you were sort of now moving into phase whatever you were going to do. I sort of felt very much in the middle. Um, and when you have a C-section, there's this moment where you feel like all the pressure of a person like like scooping in and then pulling a thing out. So you feel weirdly like lighter yeah. in that moment. Um, but it's a really fuzzy sensation that's much more about pressure and then lightness than sort of did you feel not pregnant. When did they let you see Henry? When they, they wheeled you out and you're sort of in like recovery and Joel at that point sort of was like, are you okay if I go upstairs to see the kid? At this point, his name was not Henry. We took a really Sorry. long time. Yep. No, it's fu- <laughs> like, you know, we took a really long time to name him. Don't know why. I mean, obviously, we delivered so early. We had not planned any like baby naming books. Like we had right. nothing. We had yeah. no idea what we were going to call this kid. So Joel went upstairs to see him and kind of came back with a bunch of photos. And he oh. was just like beaming you know so yeah. thrilled um was um joel allowed to hold him in that time no no so it was just photos through the incubator just photos through the yeah. incubator yeah there is a whole separate podcast to be conducted on what it is actually like to to be a preemie's parent because for the next eight weeks i just shuttled back and forth to nyu babysitting an incubator yeah. you know and like waiting for the like slow sort of peeling off of equipment Nothing can really prepare you for a preemie ward because especially in NYU where they take care of so many babies that are in some cases far worse off than my kid, um, especially like twins that are delivered really premature. Um, and they are all like so tiny and they're just like they're just tubes coming out of everything, you know, and you can't like like pick them up and hold them or like tell them that you know you can like talk to them through the box you know and you can like open up a little thing and you can stick your finger in you know if you like wash it but it's all these parents you know that all of a sudden become your like peer set that are just sitting by their little boxes just loving on their kids and in the only way that they can and for me who I think had had a really complex relationship with having a kid already and was sort of now feeling like I was this mom who hadn't done a very good job in terms of bringing her kid into the world anyway. It was a really bizarre moment meeting him for the first time, you know, because he'd been out of the world for like 24 hours. And seeing him, he just looked really alien, you know, like he was like two pounds, tubed up, you know, like sort of all over and in ways that look painful, but they like tell you that it's not painful or that they won't remember, you know, like all that stuff. And they really like the nurses and everybody there just take such good care of them and they are so thoughtful, but they're also not you, so it's very bizarre to like just sort of walk away and you feel guilt like should I be here all the time you know or should I like go downstairs is it okay to be downstairs so I really for a period of at least 24 hours was really conflicted as to whether I just wanted to be there all the time or be there never again because it was just too hard do you have someone to talk to the host do you have someone to talk to other than Joel I know I keep asking that question but I'm just no but it's a good one because I really think that especially in hospital environments like this shit is hard like who do you fucking talk to about? I mean of course you love Joel really and he's hard. Great. well and a lot of the medical professionals 
professionals that you're talking to, it's like it's sort of their role, but also not their role. Right, you know, right. like your role is to like be the caretaker for the kid and not necessarily like my emotional support. But you end up in that role just because of where you are. I literally still have like a notes document on my phone that's just the history of all of his vitals. Like, you know, when he started taking this much fluid and when he like pooped on his own and like all of this stuff, like, because I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I can't delete it. But they just end up also sort of being this confidant for you. And then there ends up being this sort of loose, bizarre camaraderie of strangers that are sort of packed in this tight proximity with each other. And in some cases going through shit that is like beyond you know, 10 feet away from each other, like having to make the kind of ethics decisions that you're just like, I like if somebody presented me those two options, I do not know how I would process that information and then make that choice for my kid. Because now you also appreciate that, whereas you've been used to making choices for your kid, now they come to you and they say, hi, we'd like to do this procedure on your kid. Like here, here are the risk factors. Here's how safe it's likely going to be. He should be okay. But will you sign off? And you have to like sign for your kid. That to me was like motherhood by fire, you know, where it's sort of like now you're literally responsible for this human. Like that shit is really real. And then people lose babies and they're somebody that you've seen in the hallways or you've been in the pumping room with, you know, and they had two twins and now they only, they leave the hospital with one. It makes it all very real. Like how close you are at any moment to having a totally different life than the one that you sort of thought you were going to have is really intense. And I'm, I am the best of all possible versions of this story. I had a crazy experience and I walked out of the hospital with no baby, which was really hard. Like leaving the hospital, I have a picture that Joel took of me because I hadn't like been in sunlight for like, you know, three weeks. <laughs> I mean, I walked out and I just like broke into tears because I just was like, I don't want to be leaving the hospital with no baby. Like that's yeah. really fucked. Um, And then, you know, you end up going back a ton. But in the end, we left with this totally healthy baby. He is now great. I mean, we take him in for all of his checkups. He's awesome. I mean, he's obviously like a little bit behind still because it takes time to catch up. But like, I'm the best of all possible scenarios. And it's still fucking hard. When did you get to take Henry home? At what what weeks? I guess they measure it in weeks still. For us, it was about eight weeks, um, which was just surreally a week a week or two shy of his due date. Wow. So that was just weird. Like yeah. arriving at his due date when we had like a baby at home mm. was very strange. Yeah. You know, having been a parent for like three months mm. and then kind of getting to a due date with your kid and being like, here you are. And then going back to work was strange because, you know, you're on maternity leave for three months, but sort of two months were really spent in the nursing him as sort of a preemie. And so he was really only home for about a month before I went back to work. So that was hard, too. But I also was really, like, ready to be – I was ready to, like, experience a different me. Yep. And going back to work was also really satisfying in a lot of regards. That was just, like, people who knew me before. But you also just don't know how to talk about it. I mean, there's – you know, smarter women than me have said, you know, you should really wait 10 years to, like, write about a really, like, intense experience. And, I mean, this has been two years, and I still just feel like I don't – I'm doing my like Google dotted line to get to the No, but it's totally true. Like I just I just feel like even now, like I will tell the story totally differently in ten years, I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah. I really appreciate you letting me ask you so many questions about it. Um, Yeah. And being vulnerable and talking about it when as you said, you were 
going to spend the, you know the rest of your life processing it. So. Well, and I hope I really hope more women do. There's no part of me that feels like this is an icky secret. Yeah. You know, in many ways, talking about it more makes you feel less like it's a bad thing you did. And just more that it's like a health problem. I think you you raise a good point and maybe that is some parting advice for our work wives is that I think it's hard to ask and you don't want to pry and you don't want to be that person. And, and we're all designed or conditioned to avoid anything that feels like it could be remotely awkward. Mm-hmm. But maybe sometimes caring about someone is better than is more important than fearing an awkward situation and maybe you just have a human conversation and you say you don't know how to have it but you care about someone and that's never a bad thing i agree Work Wives is produced by Ben Riskin and Acast. Our associate producer is Lizzie Logan, and we have support from the entire staff at Glamour. We're recorded right here at Kaninas Studios in NYC.